Yo, y'all listen up. I got something to say. I'm going to speak the truth to you, but some of y'all, you took a shortcut, a convenience this summer. You was like, coach ain't here. The season's weeks away. I got time. Are you kidding me? As a college athlete, you got four, maybe five years to be great or be forgotten. So are you home taking it easy? Somebody else is out there in the heat just about killing itself to make their name great. But you got time. And Yo, yo, what's good, y'all? Thank y'all for joining us here at the Athlete Table Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Kraft, and alongside me is the Lebanese Stallion. What's going on, G? What's good, bro? How's everything hanging? Man, I'm just chilling. Just got back from my walk after work. That's what's up. That's what's up. Yeah, just just working right now. I got about another 45 minutes until I'm off. Well, working, quote unquote. Dude, (laughs) last Friday, 183 emails I sent out in a matter of like four hours. That ain't too bad. No, and that's not talking about what came in. <laughs> that's just I what mean, went out. <laughs> I know you got you do got a little bit of stuff going on. I so, just sometimes sometimes things take get real busy, but you know, mm-hmm. other than that, it ain't too bad. And then I get Snapchats of you sitting there and watching basketball. Dude, hell yeah. Who wouldn't watch basketball? Jesus, bro. <laughs> so hey, when before sport, when sports come on, that's what takes place. Okay. Not, nothing um, else. <laughs> that's the priority here. Facts. So before before we get anything, I was gonna let you know about this because I haven't even we haven't even spoke about this. So for the one to ten thousand series, I've got an idea. Okay. I've got this book uh in our small group. His name's Josh. He he went over this book. He had a story that he read out of it, and yeah. he's kind of used it for a little bit of his ministries that he's doing because he's a youth pastor. Yeah. So he's got this book. It's by uh Peter Cesaro. Uh-huh called emotionally healthy discipline ship mm-hmm. uh it's about um moving from shallow christianity to deep transformation it's I'll, it's taking what the bible says about discipline ship and staying true to your morals and growing deeper and deeper into your faith and using it into real world yep. uh real world situations and yep. trying to build yourself up as a person he took a story out of there. It was really, really uh, moving, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bring it up because I'm gonna use it for a later series. But what I'm gonna do for that is I'm gonna, I'm reading this now, and for each week, I'm gonna go chapter by chapter, going like key points on it, and going over some different things about what they're saying and what we can take out of it, and kind of use it as like a learning tool for everybody. So I think that'd be really cool for our one to ten thousand series because absolutely, that's... I think for the next ten weeks or so, because it's about ten chapters, right? Uh, yeah, I think it's maybe maybe fifteen chapters. Yeah, I think it might Somewhere be ten there. to twelve. Yeah, that ain't know. bad. So for the next ten weeks, let's plan on doing that for the one of ten thousand guys. You heard it here first. The one of ten thousand is going to be a great way on how to stay disciplined and how to learn to be disciplined, whether it's in your faith or in sports or in, in all real life aspects. Uh, so make sure you yeah, tune so in on Wednesdays. Definitely, it's a nine. It's a nine chapter book. So yeah. we're going to so have for the next a, nine weeks a nine part series about it. Yep. 
And I'm just, I'm going to read it over. I'm almost done with the first chapter. Uh, I actually was reading a little bit before we got on it. Mm -hmm. It had a couple of different things on there that I'm really excited to talk about. So I'm going to make a lesson plan to make sure that comes out on Wednesday. Yep. And so I, that's probably something I'm going to start doing because yeah. I, I personally, I want to start reading more. Yeah. Um, I've got, I've got a couple of books that I have read last year. I think I read like six or seven books, which I know don't sound like a lot, but like <laughs> more than me in, in all reality, <laughs> You got those people that read like 50 books, but they may take like 10 lessons out of 50 books instead yeah. of taking five to 10 books in a year and then taking 50 to 100 lessons out of those yeah. books. So it's kind of one of the other. I'm more I'm more pay attention. Like if I'm reading book one book, I read one book yeah, and I take get out, everything out of it. I get everything out of it. I may reread it or something. I mean, I'm not a quick reader, but like I'm diligent about my reading whenever yeah, I start absolutely. doing it. Yeah. So, so that's something I'm going to really start getting into. So you heard it here first every Wednesday for the next nine weeks on discipline ship. And yes, sir. whether it's in your faith or in real life. So make sure you guys tune in on Wednesdays for that. It'll be a really great series over the next few weeks. Um, one thing. We um, do... And. Go ahead. Oh, you want to go? Um, if you want to follow along, it's a very, very, very good book. I mean, it does. It it talks about the Bible. It talks about what the Bible says, really what it says. Sometimes you get false information from a lot of other people, but they take specifically yep. what the Bible says and transfer that into real world situations and stories. Yep. But it's not like preachy. Yeah. It's not going to sit there and like, just like you got to do this or revelation is going to come back and they're going to take you like, no, it's yeah. not like that. They're being truthful so if you do want to follow it they have on my amazon right now the hard copy is 17 dollars, but the paperback's like 10 to 12 dollars. it's a really it's not an expensive book at all and it came in on a couple of days so if y'all yeah. do want to follow along um let me know and we, we can, can get that on yeah. we can send you the link we can make sure we get it all set up because i think all of us need to read more and we need to get more information and start growing growing as individuals yep absolutely uh, you know, being able to do something like that is freedom of the mind. So you got to keep that freedom of the mind so you can keep your thoughts mm -hmm. going. You know, if you're not going to be, able, if you're not willing to learn every day or every week, then you ain't having freedom on your mind. So, and that can translate onto sports as well. You know, so when you have something Definitely. to where you can learn every day, sometimes it helps clear doors open for you in sports. Like I know personally, when I study mm -hmm. history, that's my favorite subject. When I can study good history, it actually helps me be able to communicate with my teammates better, at least through high school it was, you know, it allowed me right. to see, okay, Hey, this is how let's just use George Washington. Cause he was a great leader in getting this country. The way he would do stuff with his generals and things as such is the same way you can kind of attack life on the basketball court or in the baseball field or on the football field, wherever you're at, you know, team sport, but then you can go and study somebody let's say like Ernie Davis who had to go through everything he did as the first black man winning the Heisman trophy being from my mom's hometown, shout out to Elmira, New York, little, little tiny town up there in upstate New York, mm -hmm. uh, you know, having the first would being the first Heisman trophy winner um, as a black man, you know, he, it was able for him to go through those life experiences, but he was able to teach himself through that. You know, he had, he had dis different discipline as a, right person who had to go through different struggles whether it was going to like west virginia when he was at syracuse to play in the mountains there or going to different because he was a starting running back you know so it, it was a little bit different so he had like jim brown kind of along the way since he was an ex-syracuse player 
to teach him some stuff, but more or less he taught him on his own, which is can be more relatable to track or to running or to cross country or um, more of those individualized sports like wrestling or swimming, you know, where you have to really battle against yourself. How bad do you want it personally to be able to win that race or to win that match or whatever? So, right. you know, there, there's some good things about it. You, you can relate just about anything in the world to sports. It's just a matter of how you view things. Right. You know? It's it's a lot of it is how you take information and how you transfer it to what you're doing. Yes. Because you can take leadership can be anything from leading other people to leading yourself. Yes. Um, and a lot of like a lot of professional athletes will tell you that they'll listen to a lot of business leaders. They'll listen yeah. to a lot of military leaders, like a lot of different things, because it's all different perspectives of how to do yep. the same thing when it comes to your own career and then using your own career and building yourself to transfer in that to a team sport or whether you're doing it, you're just I mean, being, look, look at you know. how Jordan Peterson has, has interacted with people our age. You know, he's a 56 year old man and he's right. in, uh, he's, what is the word? He is uh, influencing our generation. Right. And I mean, you can look at how that is. And so now you're seeing some more athletes or more just people in everyday life being more disciplined with life. So mm -hmm. books, learning never stop. It's freedom of the mind and it allows you to get into the next level of your thought process as well as you can see how it interacts with the rest of the world and in the rest of your life too. But going on that, we are here to talk about sports today. We have – this should be the last week without an interview for a little while. Uh, after this week – after this weekend really, um, all sports – all winter sports should be pretty much completed such as basketball – so we should be having some uh, some interesting content coming up for you guys in the next three, four mm -hmm. weeks total, you know, straight through. Um, hopefully longer after that, but we'll have at least a handful of people coming on here in the next few weeks, which I'm excited about. You know, women's basketball players, swimmers, you name it, we're hopefully going to have it. And then we'll also have some other side of sports, such as how you can get into helping student athletes improve in the classroom. So we have a few different angles that we're going to have for you this next coming weeks and next few months, but let's get the show started talking about some sports now. So yep. you uh, start out with what happened at the Creighton game, dude, March madness. And I'm going to call it madness. It ain't nothing other than madness this week. And this year for March madness, man, we have Creighton and San Diego state. Great game on Saturday or on Sunday. Great freaking game. Mm -hmm. I tell you, both teams, if I could, I would put them both in the Final Four. Uh, they both played really well, um, even with the injuries to Namehard and to a few other players throughout both teams. Um, but, yeah, very, very interesting way to end a game. Haven't seen that since about a few months ago in the regular season. Uh, with 1.2 seconds left on the clock, uh, Namehard, whose brother played at Gonzaga, who's now with the Indiana Pacers, He's a sophomore, really great point guard, solid point guard. Uh, goes and as I, I don't remember who shot the shot, but he went up for a floater from San Diego State. He puts his left hand on, and some say he pushed. Some say he was trying to make a play on the ball. Some say it depends on your angle and point of view. But they call a foul. The gentleman at the free throw line missed the first shot, made the second shot, 1.2 seconds left. Creighton pretty much tips it out of bounds. Creighton and San Diego State kind of tip it out of bounds. Game's over. Game's called. But my biggest thing is we're not going to get into if it's a foul or not. 
first, we're first going to get into, do you think that is the proper way to end a March Madness game or should it have gone into overtime? Do I think it was the proper way? No. Um, there's a couple ways you can look at it because you we would have to dive into whether you think it's actually a foul or not. Well, the do thing I about- do I think for if you're looking at it for a rating standpoint, it was horrible. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely, no like, doubt. And it, I mean, it made for terrible TV. Oh yeah, and if you ask any of the major uh, college analyzers and announcers that watched that game and talked about that game, like Charles Barkley, uh, Kenny the Jet Smith, Clark Kellogg, you name any of them. Um, and even more beyond that, Seth Greenberg, Vince Carter, mm-hmm. you can ask any of them. They've all been on TV the last 24 to 48 hours talking about it. Um, and I kind of agree more with their point. You let the game be physical all 40 minutes, right? You called 22 fouls in the whole game. The rest of the weekend, all the average foul calls were about 35, right? That's 13 different amount of foul calls. So that means the refs are calling a tighter game on physicality. You don't call anything in the first five, 10 minutes that was soft like that. Okay. So you let them play the second half. You can come back as a referee. And this is from me being a referee in basketball, knowing the difference or knowing how you have to settle a game. As a referee coming into the second half, you can call some of that in the first two, three minutes just to kind of like regather the teams like, okay, we're not going to be as physical this half or like we're going to call a little bit tighter, whatever, because just like players and coaches make adjustments at halftime, so do referees. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going into that, I see where why he called the call. But as you have three referees, that angle that that referee called that foul was not the angle that that referee should have been paying attention to. That referee was supposed to be more watching the right side and the top of the key. The referee on the far side, who had a good angle, and then the referee down on the baseline should have been the two referees following that call. Because they had... I understand that. So it, it all depends on how you look at it. Personally, I think... Do I think it was a makeup call? No. Do I think it was more of an NBA-type call? Yes because NBA has a little bit different way that they can structure like a timeout at the very end and moves it up to half court, whatever, you know, that has a little bit different structure, but with how physical they allowed that game to be, I do not believe that should have been a foul and it should have been going into overtime. If they had called it a little bit tighter throughout the game. Yes. You call that a foul, but because how, how loose they called it where they didn't call so many fouls throughout the game, because again, 22 fouls in a game, is not very much if you think about how many players are on the court, how physical a game could be, that's not very many fouls. Whereas when you have about 35 to 40 fouls a game, they're a little bit tighter on, okay, what is how physical are they allowing these guys to play? So I'm going to I'm gonna play a little bit of devil, devil's, advocate, I figured. devil's advocate here if I could talk. I, I figured. Yeah, I'm going to. <laughs> um, I'm not going to say whether it's a foul or not. I'm not arguing that because everybody has a different different yeah. perspective, and right now it doesn't it doesn't really. It's, matter I mean, the game's the over. We already know who's in the final four. Congratulations to San Diego State making it. Do I think they deserved it? Absolutely. They I think they played the better game overall that night. But and to also be the mm-hmm. first Mountain West team to make it to the final four, amazing for FAU to be one of the first teams to ever for the first time in their school history to make it to the final four. Congratulations to them too. For Miami, Definitely. for the first time making it to the Final Four, even as an ACC or Big East team, 
congratulations to them. UConn, they've been there. They've won four titles. They're blue blood. Congratulations to them too. But do they deserve the respect that the other three have? They deserve it more because they've been there more. But the other three, this is their first time. So congratulations to all three of them. Right. So I'm going to take this side. When are we finally going to look at plays like this and Mm -hmm. say, you know what? That guy got beat off the dribble. He put himself in a really crappy situation. Oh, absolutely. He's just facing the repercussions of what he did because that's God terrible defense. That's terrible defense. And and how do you allow how do you allow yourself to be put in a situation where you give the referee the opportunity to end a game? Yeah. Why and why why do you get yeah, why do you get the referee the opportunity to give you a foul? Not only did you get it beat off the dribble, but you jumped and tried to jump over him to get that ball. I understand you're making a play on the ball, but you're putting yourself in a really crappy situation. And it's the same way with like a wide receiver. If you got a wide receiver in a corner and that right receiver knows that corner's got you by the hip and he's grabbed your jersey and he's holding on to you right there. All you got to do is make like one move or hook your arm in there and make it look like that there's a foul for there to be a flag. That's yep. the same exact concept. Why are you going to put yourself in that opportunity? Yep. You're just I mean, we saw, we saw that in the uh, – was it the championship game or the uh, – it was Ohio State-Georgia this year or Georgia-TCU in the, in the mm-hmm. playoff game where at the right. very end they had that holding call that – I think it was Ohio State-Georgia where they had that holding call at the very end of the game and it put them – in position to lose the game and they ended up right. losing the game. I believe right. it was Georgia, Ohio state. So why, why are players allowing this? Is it a mental thing or is it just, you know, Oh, I got to make up for what I, my mistake I made to be honest, the likelihood of him making that, that floater because of the angle and the height of his shot and the strength he put behind it, it was going to be long to the far right. Right. But because he flopped a little bit, and I'm saying flop because I don't think there was that much pressure on his hip being pushed. No, that, there wasn't. And I think he sold it really well. Congrats to him. You can't, mm-hmm. can't, can't, can't do anything about can't that. Him. No, you can't. And so for him, you know, I'm going to call it a flop a little bit, but you can call it what you like. Um, he sold it very well. And because of that, it was short to the left. So I personally think based off of that, it was not going to go in period. So why put yourself in that position? Mm-hmm. And that's what people actually need to look at. Don't sit here and blame the refs. No. It's not the refs' fault. They're doing their jobs. And yeah. it it's like it's like what you said. There was 22 foul calls that whole game compared to 35 on average for the rest of the final for for the rest the of the game. That that's what I'm yeah. saying. So the refs were actually being lenient and letting them play. Yeah. But it and that happens. and that's that's the only reason why I don't think they should have called that foul because they were being lenient and letting them play. And I understand that, but you yeah. also got to think. It's the heat of the moment type. Oh, deal. absolutely. It's yeah. like, it's still human. They're yeah. still. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, to be honest, either team who made it through, it was going to be their first final four in school history. So there was a big implication right. for each so, team. So it was great for either team who won. Now next year, do I think Creighton's going to come back with a vengeance? Most likely, you know, because they mm-hmm. have a lot of their players coming back because a lot of them were sophomores. They do have a few seniors on the team, but they do have a lot of sophomores like Ryan Namehart is most likely going to come back as a junior next year. He's mm-hmm. going to be good. Let's just put it that way. I think he's one of the top right. one guards in the country. I honestly, like, between him and some of the guards at Miami and a few of the guards at uh, – it will come to me later – uh, but a few other guards that are in the country playing, he is arguably one of the top guards in the country. 
Tiger Campbell. He reminds me of a Tiger Campbell uh, from UCLA. Like they have a very similar game style where they are the one who's going to lead the team on the court, not necessarily scoring every night, but they will lead the team on how they play. Uh, what kind of game you expect out of that team that night. And it's just like in football, you see it as a, from a quarterback, if the quarterback's not on that night, you know, the game's going to be a crap game for that team. You can just tell by the way, some of these players, right. Going back into some other sports. We do have some Major League Baseball that we're going to get into, and I kind of hope that that last one went ahead. But anyways, let's get into some baseball talk now. So I want to talk about World Baseball Classic real quick. Yep. Uh, Did you see the championship game? Shohei Otani versus uh, his teammate. Mike Trout. Mike Trout. ECU boy, even though he signed and never came, but got to represent. Yeah, if you didn't know, Mike Trout was supposed to come to ECU. He was verbally committed to come here, and then, of course... As soon as he he found out he was going first round, Mike Godwin said, go. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you're going to go first overall, screw college, dude. You don't need education. You're going to make more money in the next couple of months than if you ever would see. That's what I'm saying. So, But no, it was a very, very good game overall, which everybody expected them to. Japan had a very good team this year. Japan and U.S. were just two dominant teams this year. Yeah, they were two titans. The the players for the U.S. have been stepping up more and more each year. You know, Bryce Harper, Mm -hmm. Mike Trout. You got a bunch – Mookie Betts. You got a bunch of people, Evan Turner, all playing really well at the top of their career right now. Trey Turner, the, that's the he sorry, played. Trey, not Evan Turner, Trey Turner. He he was dominant throughout the whole entire tournament. He man. played really well. I mean, he had homer after homer. It felt like in that tournament. That's an NC State guy. Unfortunately, don't, yep. we, don't, we, we don't remind people of that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we definitely have to say that the Japanese team. So what we ended three one, I think. Two one. Two one. Um, the Japanese team was just. I mean, these two teams, if they had a game, a series of. The series of game sevens, like you know, best of seven series. It might go to game eight. <laughs> How good these two teams were against each other. They they were they were tough to contend with because they're their management wise, they handled their pitching very, very, very well. They had a yeah. lot of very good pitching and they were able to save Shoei until the very end, which I was actually kind of surprised they did that. I couldn't believe they were um, able to do that. Yeah, you uh, Darvis came out pitched really well. Their starter came out pitched really well, yep. and they were able to hold US to ground balls. They, I think, so, they hit their one run was a home run, and that was from Kyle Schwarber, if I remember right. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they were able to hold everybody down, and then Shoei came in there and showed why he's as the best good as he is. Freaking pitcher right now in the league, I think one of the top you pitchers in the league right now. I mean, you can't touch that guy, and, and his own teammate who practices with them every day in the season could even hit the ball off of him. Well, he, I mean, Mike Trout's the best position player on the planet. I don't yeah. care what anybody says, and he went up there and made him look like a fool. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're going there and throwing 100 mile an hour and then you drop a 97 <laughs> mile an hour slider in there, you, you that's can't just touch dirty. that. That's just freaking dirty. That is dirty. It's disgusting, dude. But, overall, it was a great game, yep. even though the United States lost. And a great game. I give it to Japan. Like, they came out and they played very yep. well. So it, it turned out to be an epic finish, and I know a lot of people are talking about it, but I was really happy to see that because that's baseball at its purest form. It's yeah. just going. I mean, out you there. had you had people from the Czech Republic throughout this tournament who were engineers and electricians, 
playing against guys who are in the MLB, whether it's from Japan or U.S. Mm-hmm. or Venezuela, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, Cuba, whoever it was. I mean, you had people who were an everyday blue-collar worker all the way up to somebody who was a professional athlete playing against each other, and each team held their own. You know, yeah, okay, we had some blowouts here and there, but even so, it was like everybody could really hold their own against each other. And there was a lot of people that was that was talking a lot of crap about the WBC yeah. for saying it. the players take it too seriously and they're putting themselves in jeopardy of being hurt because we well, know, there is there is some um, stuff that has happened. There's and and stuff there has, but that could happen any day of the week, no matter if you're playing ball. Bro, or you could not. be walk. You could be walking down the stairs and break your ankle and out for six days. Exactly. But at the same time, you got to look at what the WBC has done. It's gave a lot of people in these lower developed countries the opportunity to show that their talent. And there are some guys that sign contracts throughout this whole thing. Yeah, even if it's for a minor league team, they got a contract deal out of it, which is great. I mean, yeah, baseball is all over the world, and yeah. it's getting more and more and more popular. No matter no matter how old it's been, it's still one of the most popular sports in the world. Yep. And you're giving guys opportunities that would have never had that chance unless they had the chance to play for their country. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I think that's awesome. I, and I just, I wanted to bring that up real quick. Cause yeah. that is a, that is a great thing. Absolutely. So with that, we conclude the athletes table. Word. This has been a Beyond Sports Media production. You can find us at Apple Music, YouTube, or any of your favorite podcasts and platforms.